You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. The cross is the magnet of Christianity. Jesus Christ draws men, but it is mainly his cross. You demagnetize Christianity, as all history shows, if you strike out the death on the cross for the world's sin, what is left is not a magnet, but a bit of scrap iron. Another commentator, which I studied, said this, quote, the cross of Christ has the power of spiritual magnetism that forces every man to look upon what Jesus did and decide what he will do with it. The sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins is the cornerstone of Christianity. Without the cross, there is no salvation and forgiveness of your sins. Today, Pastor Dave will be encouraging you to preach Christ crucified and how he rose from the dead to those who still live in darkness. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 12 as he begins his message, The Divine Magnet. John chapter 12, we've been making our way through this glorious gospel of John, the apostle. We are in chapter 12, and today we're going to be specifically looking at verses 31 through 33. 31 through 33. So hopefully you can find your way there. Gospel of John, I'm really enjoying this study in John's gospel the life of Jesus Christ, his ministry, and now we're coming to his death upon the cross. So if you found your way, I'm going to read aloud. If you'd like to read along silently, please. John chapter 12, verse 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And if I, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth will draw all peoples to myself. This he said, signifying by what death he would be. I don't know if you've ever heard of Alexander McLaren. He was once called the Prince of Expositors. And when he was speaking about the cross of Jesus Christ, he said this, quote, The cross of Jesus Christ, it naturally suggests only suffering, public shame, disgrace, and defeat. But in reality, the cross of Jesus Christ has become the most noble sign of all that is lofty, heroic, and glorious in the story of redemption and the experience of the Christian, unquote. And then he continues on and says this, quote, The cross is the magnet of Christianity. Jesus Christ draws men, but it is mainly his cross, You demagnetize Christianity, as all history shows. If you strike out the death on the cross for the world's sin, what is left is not a magnet, but a bit of scrap iron. Another commentator, which I studied, said this, quote, The cross of Christ has the power of spiritual magnetism that forces every man to look upon what Jesus did and decide what he will do with it. Yes, the cross is a divine magnet. 
which is what I want to talk about today. A divine magnet which draws men and women. It draws them to Jesus Christ. When we had science class in our elementary school, the teacher would pass out magnets. And then they would come and they would dump these little metal shavings on each table. And we would take the magnet and all the metal shavings would go to the magnet and they would be there. Then she would dump little pieces of paper on the table and we would take the same magnet and the pieces of papers would just kind of like lie there and go, yeah. Nothing would happen. When I remembered this, I thought about our attitude towards the cross. Our attitude towards the cross shows whether we are little steel shavings drawn to it or whether we're pieces of paper that feel no magnetic draw. Now, as we come into today's verses, Jesus is at the end of his earthly ministry. He had entered the city of Jerusalem riding on a donkey, and people threw and waved palm branches in his path. They shouted, Blessed be he who comes in the name of the Lord. They welcomed him and praised him as king. They believed that he was going to set up his kingdom right there, and he was going to cast out the Roman occupational forces. But that was not the case. That was not what God had planned. Jesus had come to Jerusalem with one purpose and one purpose only, and that was to die on a cruel Roman cross. The cross would be Jesus' final answer. The cross would be Jesus' final word to a dying world. Another commentator I read put it this way, quote, Jesus knew his time had come. He knows that the single greatest event in history of man was about to happen. He knows all history from the beginning of creation to the fall in the garden to the end events and the last battle at Armageddon will be focused upon one thing, the crucifixion upon that old rugged cross, unquote. Last time that we were together, we looked at the verses preceding this. In verse 27, when Jesus said, my, tro- my soul is troubled. The humanity in Jesus' soul was, was agitated. He, he was troubled. Was he thinking, could there possibly be another way to redeem man that didn't include the cross? His soul was troubled. It was a rhetorical question because Jesus answered it and said, what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? Well, the answer is clearly no. It was a powerful no because Jesus knew there was no other way to save mankind. Jesus knew that only obedience to the Father, being obedient to death, even death on a cross, was the only way to redeem fallen man. Jesus knew this is why he had come. This is why he had been incarnated as a man. He knew that this was his resolve. It was the cross and only the cross. So Jesus cries out in total submission to the Father. Father, glorify your name. We talked about this. This was in essence the same word spoken in the garden when he sweat, drops of blood and water. And he cried out, let this cup pass. 
Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. John records in the next several verses that a voice came out of heaven. A voice came out of heaven that was booming and said, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Jesus' life and ministry had glorified the Father. Everything he did gave honor to the Father. Everything Jesus said glorified the Father. And now, in his suffering, in his death on that cruel cross, would once again glorify the Father as well. Interesting, though, when you look at Scripture, when you look at men, women, who have been used by God, God always gives assurance to those who willingly suffer for his sake. He always gives them assurance. And I look at the Apostle Paul. When the Apostle Paul was on his way to Jerusalem, many people through the Holy Spirit said, don't go to Jerusalem, only horrible things await you there. Paul was going to Jerusalem so he could get to Rome. Paul wanted to go to Rome. And horrible things awaited Paul in Rome as well, including his death. But Paul kept on going on. And once he was in Jerusalem, once he was arrested, his soul was troubled. He was troubled about what was going on. And I love the fact that the Lord came to him that night and said, Be of good cheer, Paul. You testified of me in Jerusalem. You also must bear witness of me in Rome. The Lord gave him assurance. Paul knew that he would suffer. And he was willing to do that suffering for Jesus Christ. So Jesus gave him the assurance. And that's what God does to us. During our suffering times, he gives us assurance. Sometimes his assurance is his very presence in our lives. And he assures us that I am with you. I am here. Be not afraid. Don't be afraid to go through this time, for I am here with you. I will not leave nor forsake you. I have you in the palm of my hand, and nothing can separate my love for you. And he gives you this assurance, and you are strengthened by this. And you are able to go through the time of suffering, the time of woe, and God receives the glory. God receives the praise. What a wonderful thing. A voice came from heaven. Those who were around the voice, heard, around Jesus, heard the voice. They heard it clearly. And Jesus said, this voice didn't come from me. It came for you. It came that you might hear. You would think that they would at least be convinced that Jesus was who he said he was because of the voice. You would think they would at least be convinced that Jesus knew the Father the way he claimed to know the Father, and he and the Father had a relationship just by the voice. But that didn't happen. It didn't happen. So we come into today's verses, and Jesus continues this conversation with them, but now he's going to speak about the manner of death in which he will suffer, the manner of death in which he will, what will happen to him. In fact, going backwards, John says this in verse 33. John clarifies this. Remember, John is looking after the fact. He's looking after the fact of everything what happened. He's going back to Jesus' words, and he says in verse 33, this he said, signifying but what death he would die. John saw this now. He had clarity on it now because of Jesus' death and resurrection, because of the Holy Spirit. Now he has clarity upon what had happened. So he clarifies it for us. But in these short verses this morning, I see Jesus on the cross as a divine magnet. A divine magnet. Jesus said, yes, 
He would be lifted up on the cross, a symbol of suffering, a symbol of shame, a symbol of disgrace, a symbol of death. And he knew that he had to endure this. He knew that this suffering was on his horizon. And he knew, though, he had to be lifted up on a cross. Why? Look at Jesus' very own words. He says in 32, And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. The Greek word here used for draw is helku. It means to draw or to pull. Jesus said, I'm a divine magnet on the cross. The cross is the divine magnet. And it will draw all peoples to me. It will draw all peoples, men and women. All peoples. Now, being a movie buff, where does my mind go? My mind goes to Star Wars when they're trying to escape the death planet and they draw out and they go, we got to get out of here before the tractor beam gets us. You know, the tractor beam that pulls them back into there, you know? Well, wait a minute. That's pretty cool. The cross is a tractor beam. The cross is sending out signals through the Holy Spirit and it is drawing us back into his arms, drawing man, sinful man, back into his arms through the cross. It's a major giant magnet that draws us. So as we look to the cross, as we study the cross, it has an effect on us. It either has a good effect like those steel shavings or it has a bad effect like the paper. You are either drawn to it are repelled by it. We look at the cross. The cross becomes a magnet to our souls. It draws us closer and closer, deeper and deeper. Our hearts and our minds and our eyes are drawn to the cross and it becomes an image of a sacrifice that we can never fathom completely. We can't fathom what happened up there. We accept it by faith, but we can't really fathom what happened that day. But something happens to us when we truly see the cross for what it is. Something happens inside to us. So I'm going to invite you this morning to look and see the cross. Look and see the cross. I'm going to show three things. Look and see the cross and see God's forgiveness. Look and see the cross and see God's victory. And look and see the cross and see God's love. Look and see the cross. Let's look at God's forgiveness. One of the greatest needs in the world today that man has is the need for forgiveness. Man has this great need for forgiveness. Even way back in Ecclesiastics, Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastics 7, verse 20, For there is not a man on earth who does good and does not sin. The Apostle Paul picked up on that. And you know the verse in Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Man knows that inwardly. We know that inwardly and our sin separates us from God. Our sin separates from God. The Holy Spirit then is in the world doing what? Convicting us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. We're going to get to that when we get later on in John. But one commentator said this, quote, There is in the heart of every man or woman, under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, a sense of guilt and condemnation. 
a sense of guilt and condemnation in the heart of every believer, or excuse me, every man and woman. And then he says, in the book Pilgrim's Progress, Bunyan, who was the writer, made guilt and condemnation a heavy back that was on the back of the pilgrim. And he did not lose it until he reached the cross of Jesus Christ. That is when the heavy burden was lifted, when he reached the cross of Jesus Christ. When we realize just how guilty we really are, just how short we really have fallen according to God's standards, when we realize just how condemned we are because of sin, we too begin to feel the weight of that load. That's the burden that Jesus says, come to me, those who are heavy burden. Come to me and give it to me. Take my yoke. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. That's the burden Christ is talking about. But at the cross, there is forgiveness. And the forgiveness is through the power of Jesus Christ on that cross. On that cross. The power to remove guilt. The power that is different from any judicial power ever on earth. It's a great and strong divine power. In Jesus Christ on the cross, there is power to forgive and at the same time remove guilt. The cross then becomes a bridge between man and God. A bridge across this giant chasm of sin. This giant valley that separated us from God. The cross then becomes that joining block. It becomes the bridge that bridges the gap between man and God. At the cross, we find forgiveness of sin. Make no mistake about it. Jesus is going to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. You cannot receive this forgiveness of God. You cannot receive this gift of life through God unless you go through Jesus Christ and unless you go through the cross. It does not happen. When we look at the cross, we see forgiveness. And this forgiveness is a magnet to our hearts because we desperately need forgiving. We def desperately need to be forgiven by a most holy God. We desperately need to be deemed righteous by a most holy God because in our hearts, in our souls, we want to be deemed righteous by God. We want that in our lives. When we look at the cross, the magnet draws us closer and closer. And when we see our sin, when we see what we really look like, we want to fall to our knees and ask for forgiveness and we want to repent. That's what the cross does. And when we do that, we receive forgiveness. Total forgiveness. And we become guilt-free. So look and see the cross, cross. Look and see Jesus hanging there, suffering and dying in our place. Look and see the cross and see God's plan for the redemption of mankind. Look and see the cross and see forgiveness. Look and see the cross. We see this victory, the victory that is upon Jesus Christ on the cross. And we look at this victory, why? Because on the cross, a battle raged. There was a battle that happened on the cross, a battle between light and darkness, a battle between good and evil, and a battle between God and Satan. This great 
eternal battle, this great universal battle, this great kingdom-minded battle that happened upon the cross. But on the cross, Jesus prevailed. Good triumphed over evil. Light overcame darkness, and God defeated Satan on the cross. We look to the cross, and we see Jesus' victory over sin. We see Jesus' victory over Satan. We see that our sins are forgiven, and the power of Satan is broken. The chains that bind us are now broken. He has broken every chain. Verse 31 It says, now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Because of the cross, when we look at the cross, we see God's judgment over the world and over Satan. Jesus' attitude of obedience to the Father was a judgment of the world because the cross displayed the contrast between his obedience and our rebelliousness. There's this huge contrast there. The cross was a complete victory over Satan. Satan is the prince of this world, the prince of this world, the ruler of this world, the prince of this world. Why? Because he gained his place by self-seeking pride. He gained that place by trickery, by deceit, and by cruelty. But Jesus, Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. Jesus fulfilled the law completely. He never sinned. He fulfilled the law completely. Jesus, the Son of God, draws all men to himself by dying a humiliating death in total purity, in total honesty, and total forgiveness. Jesus' death was the ultimate victory. And it happened on the cross when he defeated Satan. When he died, he yelled that ultimate battle cry, victory. It is finished. It is done. The work was complete. Satan was through. Cross meant to kill is our victory. Christ reconciling the world to God by the merit of his death on the cross broke the power of death. He cast out Satan. Jesus Christ lifted on the cross becomes a magnet to our hearts and draws the world to God by the breaking of the sin and breaking of the power that binds us and by freeing us. Frees us from slavery. When you look to Jesus, when you look and see him on the cross, we see freedom. We see victory. Freedom from slavery and the slavery of sin and freedom from his hard taskmaster, Satan. This freedom, this liberty becomes a magnet to us. It becomes a magnet to us, drawing us ever deeper, ever closer. When we look to the cross, we see forgiveness. When we look to the cross, we see victory. And finally, when we look to the cross, we're reminded of God's love. We're reminded of God's love. And John wrote about this in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You are the book of John covers Jesus' life and ministry here on earth, but the book begins long before Jesus was born in a manger. He existed with God the Father from the start. So many other religions have some figure they look to or commemorate, but none of those mere men accomplished what Jesus did. 
Jesus came as a man and died, but then he came back to life because he's God. No other man can claim that remarkable feat. Only God could do this, and therefore, the only true one to follow is Jesus. What might be holding you back today in believing all that God says he is and does? If you have some questions you'd like answered, we'd be happy to try and answer these questions or pray with you about what's weighing on your heart. Please don't hesitate to call us at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609 609- 884-5821. Keep looking to scripture for answers and know that we care about the journey you're on. We're so glad you tuned in to A Sure Hope today. You can hear more messages like this one from Pastor Dave at our website. Just click on the messages tab when you visit assurehoperadio.com. We'd love to meet you too. Find out how you can join us for worship at Calvary Chapel Cape May by visiting assurehoperadio.com. You'll also find us on Facebook and YouTube. Links for both are at assurehoperadio.com. There's more to learn from the book of John next time, so be sure to join us again on another edition of A Sure Hope.